Yes, today is the first Sunday of 2015, and it is a continuation of our series, Hopeful Anticipation. Um, in light of Advent, and we're continuing on the thought that the part of the important posture of faith and trusting heart is anticipating what God has promised. Hence the, the title, uh, Hopeful Anticipation. It is also for um, the new, new Year's first Sunday message, looking ahead of the entire year. And then how encouraging it is to, to think about the steadfast love of the Lord. And as we sang the very familiar song, steadfast love the Lord of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And, and for that reason, we're going to actually go to the Lamentations, uh, chapter 3, and, and meditate together on that passage. But unlike the typical times that we sang or we, we would quote, but we want to look at it in the context and let the God speak to each one of us. Um, maybe you saw it in the card or even uh, Facebook post as I did this morning um, this is very encouraging and one of the most popular passages of the entire Bible but if we know where it came from and if we become real about where it com came from I think our perspective will change. Lamentation is ba basically, uh, in our own language, it could be weeping book, a dirge, a funeral song, kind of dark, depressing song. So no wonder we rarely get to hear a sermon from Book of Lamentation, and not to mention going through the quiet time, through the Lamentation. It's a short, tiny book, even it's hard to find. Um, but for today, because we're actually looking at the entire context, uh, if you have a Bible, open, open up the Bible with me, and it will be very helpful to kind of search through the entire chapter as I go through the passage. On um, Our key passages. Only a few verses, 21, verse 21 through 25. But we want to look at it in the entire chapter. So um, my heart has been stirred. It, it's, God has kind of uh, those, one of those uh, uh, fluorescent color coals sitting in deep in my soul Fe feels like it and 
and I want to share it in a context. So let's look at about uh, four things as we look at this famous passage, the uh, verse 22 to 24, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. As I mentioned, if you listen to it, it sounds like, oh, this person was praising God. Maybe he's having so much fruitful effectiveness in his work, in her family. Things are going great, experiencing much blessings. But in that, if you look at the context, it is actually written by the prophet Jeremiah, uh, who was nicknamed as a weeping prophet. How would you like to have job? Or God called him to, to deliver God's message to the, to the people of Judah, the southern nation of God's people. Israel, Israel the northern kingdom, has already fell has already fallen, and then Judah, at the, uh, the last moment of it, they were continually rebelling, turning away from God, uh, worshiping idols, injustices in, in treating people. So all those things going on, Jeremiah will speak these harsh words to the people of Judah. Repent. Return to God. When you're wild, there's hope. Return to God. And they have disregarded him. And they actually persecuted him and beat him up because these uh, other prophets who are so glamorously and patriarchically preaching the good news, God has blessed uh, the Judah, everything will be going okay. And yet Jeremiah is preaching, the prophesying the exile, coming Babylonian oppression. Who, who would like that? So that was going on. And the book of Jeremiah is actually basically warning, and in one word, and book of Lamentations, one word, one word, weeping, mourning. So this chapter 3, an entire book, as a matter of fact, was written by the prophet not when life was good and delightful, but when life was hard and sorrowful. And some of you uh, are actually, life is not easy. It's difficult, or life is really extremely hard. And you have loved ones who are sick. Uh, you have a financial problem, marital problem, in-law issues, all kinds of things that might be going on. And your career is uncertain, next step-wise. And the good news today is that even any kind of circumstances and this message of good news is applicable to every single one of us 
Number two, in terms of context, as I mentioned, it is a dirge, a despondent lament for the fall of Jerusalem, the city of God. Once it was so glamorous, but there is no temple, no priests, no kings, no priests, and then people are captured to Babylonian kingdom. And they were destroyed, none other than ungodly enemies of Babylon. And no wonder he's weeping. Of course, there was a warning for repentance, uh, to repent, an urge for, call for repentance. And Israelites didn't listen to the prophet. The Israelites didn't really uh, return to God in, in submission and obedience to God's covenant. And God's wrath was showing. In verse 1 in chapter 3, we read, he puts himself as a personal personalized himself for the nation of, for the kingdom of Judah, is basically, I am the person who's seen this affliction under the rod of God's wrath. And he goes on, it's not like I'm having a hard time, we're having a hard time, God is not answering. It's not that. It's actually, it's a hard cry to God who brought himself the severe affliction because of Judah's rebellion and disobedience. It was God who caused all these horrific situations. And if you read verse uh, cha chapter 2 also, to verse chap verse, not only chapter 3, verse 1 through uh, 19 or 20, but chapter 2, there's a horrific situation. People are so hungry, unthinkable, like cannibalism, eating their babies, things like that happen. So he obviously, his heart is turned and transparently he's crying out to God and saying, we have become target of his God's arrow. I have lost the hope, so I don't know what happiness looks like anymore. Once again, on behalf of kingdom of Judah, the people of Judah. The fourth one is the reason that I bring this message on the first Sunday of New Year. It contains an encouragement in all circumstances. Should I say, an open secret. If Jeremiah was experiencing this despondence, despair, just deadness of soul, inside out, horrific situations. How was he able to bring out this message of hope? How, how is he able to sing this? Which became popular for so many of us, even Looking through Old Testament and New Testament, 
this is one of the most encouraging passages. So we want to look to Jeremiah and say, could you tell us your secret? What can we draw from this dirge that gives, I mean, unusual uh, place, a source for encouragement? What is the open secret? So that we may live by it for the rest of this 2000. 15, at least four, as we focus on verses 21 through 25 in this context. Here's the first one. Secret number one, change your perspective by unchanging truth about God as the first step toward your hope and renewal. Verse 19 Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. That expression is just to make the herbs and bitter taste, gall, blaster, gall, that kind of thing. So the pain and suffering is so severe, he puts in that kind of, God, Lord, remember my bitterness and, and, and sufferings here, in verse 20, my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down with me. I am depressed. He's being real, right? But here's a big but. Verse 21, but... This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. What is the first step? To hope and renewal. It is a thought. To think. To intentionally bring our mind to think upon it. There are two types of thinking that he did. One of them is he looked inside, introspection. He thought about his conditions and life circumstances. And Judah's Jerusalem, beautiful Jerusalem, city of God, the fall of it by the hands of ungodly enemies. And unthinkable happenings around him. Obviously, he's down and depressed. And I think this really is the key to really think about. Most of the times, when life is taking its course, there are good and bad happens, right? Oh, you know, I had little worries about my brother's health and whether he's going to enjoy our family gatherings. Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's Day, everything was so good. I was so happy. I can't believe it. Day by day, and I'm thinking, life is good. Wow, this is, you know, really enjoyable time together. And even our kids are not making too much uh, strange, you know, accidents or not going to emergency rooms or, you know, those things. 
So everything was a little bit perfect. Anxiousness is there because, oh, how long will this last? Kind of thing, right? And surely, a couple of days ago, our stove sparked something, and there was a fire underneath it, and Kate, Kate called me. So basically, some electric stuff. So one, five, three out of five, the starter, it doesn't work anymore. So there's only two things. So that's kind of back on my mind, and my OCD comes around. I, I'm going to fix that. Everything is, has to be perfectly normal again, right? Such is the life. I'm sure you could think about one of those two things in your life that is not perfect. So what happens when we think about our circumstances, especially when you go to sleep, you can't really go to sleep because of conflicts, because someone who's sick in your, in your life, in your family, it just kills you. Maybe a person is wandering away from God, the ones, you, you're one of the loved ones. Whatever that might be, If we think about our circumstances, if we think in introspection, the natural result is depression. It's just putting us down. So we need to pay attention to what Jeremiah did. He changed his perspective. But this I call to mind. The truth, unchanging truth about God. Just think about this. God is the one who brought it. And God looks like a beast and cruel. He's using us as a target of his arrow. He did his honest feelings, right? But when he thought about unchanging truth of God's character, he began to have I have a hope. And I've seen this over and over with people who are going through difficult times and begin the process, very short process of thinking, but long process of thoughts about introspection about circumstances, how Things are bad. How things can go worse from here. I can't believe this. Why is it happening to me? And people will say things like that as well. But in this, thinking about God is just short-lived. Bear with me. This is what I'm saying. Why would God do this? I'm mad at God. I can't believe it. It doesn't make sense. How can you call yourself loving God, caring God? Forget you. But if we stay on it, linger on it a little longer, we remember the things that not only we have experienced, but we have come to believe for God so love the world, for God so loved me and you that he gave his only begotten son 
so that we don't have to perish but have eternal life in Christ Jesus. He loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. I don't have any problem believing that. You probably don't have a problem believing that. But it's the question comes from incomplete thinking. And if we continually think about characters of God, there are things that I cannot understand fully. What I know is God is good. What I, what I experienced in my past God is loving. That's the point. He began immediately when he was beginning to think about it, change his perspective by unchanging truth of God. He realized, I have hope. Secret number two. Cling to the steadfast of the Lord in the darkest times as well as in good times as your hope and renewal. So let's read what he called to his mind. <clears throat> Verse 21, beginning with, And this I called to mind. And therefore I hope, I have a hope, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. When you read the word steadfast love of the Lord, of the steadfast love of the Lord, he is remembering God of the covenant. <clears throat> that his covenant is covenant of grace, not by works. If it is not by if it is work, work, uh, covenant by works, but keeping the law, they will be destroyed. So that's why some of you have King James version will have because of Lord's mercy we are not consumed. Translation goes like that. What does that mean? God's covenant love, covenantal love, is not like our conditional love of human contract. You violate this and I will do X, Y, and Z. Covenant love in spite of people's shortcomings and disobedience. And there is a consequence of discipline. God's heavy hand was there. But time after time, starting with Abram and Moses, David, Jeremiah, he will continually renew his covenant. And when Jesus, as we will experience today, the Lord's Supper, taking the bread and wine and say this, this the, the cup of new covenant, Jesus has renewed his covenant, God's covenant. And covenant by grace means that God's 
unchanging character supersedes our disobedience. So in, in, the, in, the, in light of this, when we feel like we are guilty, we self-condemnation happens, of course, this is happening because God is angry at me. We need to remember this point that God's heart is ultimately for us. And I'm going to ask you to think and linger on a little longer. In order for you to linger on, some of you who still have a doubtful things, and I'm going to give you a couple of verses to chew on through the rest of the week. Uh, before we do that, let's summarize really quickly. Regardless of circumstances, God's covenant to love never changes or ceases. This is a truth that we could cling to. And we need to keep reflecting on this love and mercy of God until we embrace and really believe it. This is, this is truth. I believe it. And we have this undeniable evidence for this. The cross and re resurrection of Christ and God's mercy is really measureless. Now, to think on, chew on God's character. A couple of verses. It's actually the first one comes from the same chapter, the, the latter part, verse 31 and 32 of Lamentations chapter 3. Listen to this. For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, he will have a compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. Now watch this. Verse 33. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of man. He's not enjoying. It's your father's heart or mother's heart when you discipline your child. It hurts to even discipline them and to be strict on something and to put them in, you know, Time out or, or controlled environment of spanking, whatever that you practice to discipline them, to correct them, to break that strong, such stubborn will that any loving, loving parent ought to do. And God has brought this grief and pain in Israelites. He doesn't do it from his heart. He's not willingly doing it. His permissible will of God is there. It's like Job, isn't it? Ten children taken away. Of course, with the permission, permissible will of God, the devil comes and just taking things away from him. And he's still praising God. He said, let me go one step further. Let me work on him. You could touch him, but do not take his life. So what does he do? He brings ailment in his skin. 
And uh, you know, when you when you feel like your your body's itching, I had allergy before, after running. So I know that in, you know I had to go to ER. It's a crazy. When you have to scratch, and though each scratch, the split second of satisfaction, is there. But after satisfaction, I mean, Doctor Cho will tell us, there's a surge of spreading even more and, and blowing up. And he's sitting on the ash and using the bricks and kind of scratching himself. And his wife comes, why don't you curse and die? Curse God and die. And his friends come, give all these religious, oh, you must do something wrong. And God is mad at you because you did something. Because this is happening because of A plus B is C. What did you do? What A did you do? And he's an innocent before God. Listen to this. Isaiah 49, verse 15 through 16. Can a woman forget her nursing child, her little baby, that she she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? No way. No way. Thousand times no way. But one of those crazy women can. Even these may forget. Yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Your walls are continually before me. Jerusalem walls. Figuratively speaking, God is telling them. Do you hear the gentle, tender voice of Abba in that? God, have you forgotten about me? Are you using me as your target for your arrow? And God has said, I haven't forgotten about you. My heart aches for you. I have never given up on you. So living through this new year, avoid two things. One is that things are going well. You're so prideful. I did something right. That was a right decision to buy this on the right timing. And that was right decision for me, for us to send our kids to this school. That was right decision for us to join this uh, insurance, whatever. And our family is blossoming. And then you become prideful. God's mercy. We need it when things are not going well. But uh, no thank you. For now, we're really, really good, good. We'll call you. Avoid that. The other, the other thing is, you are having a hard time. This is dreadful. God, are you enjoying this? Are you sick? You, you, I'm sick of this. Do you see me? Do you have you forgotten me? And then you stop there. You're thinking. Rather than keep thinking about it. 
do I, am I thinking rightly about God? And if you keep thinking about it, there are undeniable factors in your life, even life evidences. But if you look into the scripture, there are even more lasting truth. God is holy God. God is not like men. God is not like me. I should not project my fickleness on him and thinking that he has changed his mind. He's forgetful. He's clumsy. No. The steadfast love of the of the Lord, uh, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. But don't go anywhere else. Don't settle for quick fixes and escape to entertainment or pleasures of legitimate as well as illegitimate source. Secret number three, live day by day, drawing from God's mercies each day for your hope and renewal. And this, for, for all of us who are quick on our thoughts, especially in our theological thoughts, we need to slow down and pay attention to this. We're going to be trapped otherwise. Going back to verse 23 and read it in continuation of it. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Why did I say we could, bet, we could get trapped of our own theological thoughts? Why? Because typically, what do we encourage and challenge people? And even thinking about Brian and Hyojung, we should pray very carefully and discerningly and, and be choosy in our selection of challenge and encouragement for them too because you will, we will hear that all the time oh you have four sons and you you know you better stay strong otherwise you're not going to make it your business is tough stay strong in one sense it is right that we don't lose trusting heart and the confidence that comes from God, yes, definitely. But stay strong sounds like you need to take all the reserves of your strength and maintain and sustain your strength so that you could deal with it. And this passage says, no, absolutely no. Mercy for today, for the troubles for today, troubles of the day. Mercy for tomorrow, tomorrow's trouble. So when you go to sleep, you don't have to figure everything out and, oh, I, tomorrow I'm going to 
handle it. I'm going to kick it. Break a leg, whatever you say. You could totally feel helpless. God, have mercy on me. I have no strength whatsoever. You are in a good spot because you're going to be utterly dependent, easier to lean on God. And when things are going well, it's easy for us to become prideful. I could handle it. So we need to continually think about, do I live by day and by day? You know, recovery people who draw the 12 steps from the biblical principle, and they have a saying on this. A friend of mine, when I asked, how are you doing? He basically said, one day at a time. This is a principle. You don't think about tomorrow. One day at a time, you depend on God's mercy. That's actually the Christian Christian principle we ought to live. So would you put your weight into it and then think about this. In the coming year, day by day, God, I will rely on you. When I get up in the morning, I'll ask for your mercy for the day. Good morning, Father. Thank you for your steadfast love. Good morning, Jesus. Thank you for your patient work toward me. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Thank you for residing in me and giving me power. Now, use my head and my heart and my lips and my eyes and my hands, my feet. Live your life through me, in and through me. Give mercy. Have mercy on me. When you think about this, when I was thinking about this, this song, I was singing uh, my younger days without much of meaning, and it didn't mean any special to me. But reflecting on this passage, these words keep on coming back to me. And I found the source. It's a Swedish hymn. written by, by the name of, her Americanized name is Lena Sandel. Uh, her Swedish name is Christina, uh, Linda, Christina Sandelberg, or something like that. It's very hard to pronounce the whole thing, so I choose to simple one. This song was written in 1865, translated into English, and goes like this. Day by day, And with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here, trusting in my Father's wise bestowment. I have no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best. 
Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. Each day, the Lord himself is near me with a special mercy for each hour. Isn't that great? Living by mercy, God's mercy, God's grace, day by day. And this person is actually special mercy for each hour. Sometimes we need that, right? All my cares he fain would bear and cheer me. He whose name is Counselor and Power. The protection of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself he laid. As thy days, thy strength shall be in measure. This the pledge to me he made. So living each day, one day at a time, by his grace, is actually the 2015, we're going to experience God's steadfast love and his mercy so much more. One final thought as we conclude. Secret number four, the same thing, but look at it different angle. Put your hope in God as your, put your hope in God, your portion, patiently as you trust God's faithfulness for your renewal and strength. This is a continuation of thoughts from last week. Wait for the Lord. But starting with the great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. So we must first give up on quick fixes and temptation to to become self-reliant and impatient about bringing the results. And I, I, at least for me, and that's probably the one of the most difficult temptations that I resist. Even dealing with uh, pastoring this church, my default mode is very impatient. But changes in God's work takes long. The genuine, truthful changes and transformation takes long. Have you ever seen my sons? Silas actually became taller than Soren. And I'm going, when did that happen? So I'm threatened. I, you know, I'm trying to threaten myself because we're at the same height now. But what if I say, okay, I want Seth. You need to grow, man. And every day I look at him. Let's see your growth right now. Will I be able to see it? Even if I give him all the right food and exercise. You did everything right. I'm proud of you, son. But you're too short. Grow up. Sometimes we tend to treat God's word that way. Isn't it? Patient trusting is what we need. The key is patient waiting by faith 
with the mercy and goodness of the Lord, trusting in God's providential care. And that providential care is really important thing. Why? Because when bad things happen to us, or when our three of our stoves are not working, it's useless to think about why is this happening? Why is God cruel? It's, you know, a lot of times we waste our energy on those meaningless things. The question should be on God. Help me see your providential care today, even if I do not understand. God hasn't lost providential care, I mean. God hasn't lost his control. God hasn't lost his power. God has, God has not forgotten about us. And his goodness is as good as the beginning of the year. Beginning of the world. That he cannot never get better than who he is. The perfect goodness is there. That he loves you and me more than we can imagine. And no wonder Psalm 73 is echoing in the background. I actually want to challenge you to spend some time. If this message hits home for you, coming week, spend spend some time on Psalm 73. Here's a little bit of a preview. The psalmist is going through a tough time, just like Jeremiah. But he comes to this confession. Verse 25 of Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. My flesh and my heart do fail. I physically get weakened or sick. My heart strength, I could lose good motives and good strength of all that. But God is my portion and he is the strength of my heart. When that happens, even if you look forward to nothing in your day, all the joy is taken away, and you might have symptoms of clinical depression. And you could say, along with the psalmist, the Lord is my portion. He is the strength of my heart. The Lord is my portion when I am doing well, when I hit rock bottom. The Lord is my portion forever. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So here's a little uh, secret that I did. 
throughout the message. I found all the excuses to repeat that over and over. I don't know how many times it will repeat it. So I'm hoping that it will ring in your ear even this afternoon. You cannot get away from this truth. That's what I am suggesting all of us to do this week. The steadfast of the love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. May God show his goodness as we wait for him. In the quietness of room, I want you to say very personally, whispers of your confession to God. If it helps, if it helps, you could imagine with the Lord Jesus sitting in front of you, so close that you could hold him. What is your resolve in the heart for the coming year? And tell him, Tell him you might not even have enough faith to do it. He is merciful, remember? He will increase your faith. The important thing is you put your heart weight into it. Oh, Abba, our Father, thank you for this truth about you, your unchanging character. And for the coming year, we pray that you will remind us as we call to mind this truth and not only think theologically, but help us to live out, flesh out, with these theological truths in our lives. Help us hope in you, cling to you, wait for you. And I pray that you will teach every single one of us in our church these truths even deeper for the rest of 2015. We praise you, Lord, and we pray all these things in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen.